Yesterday, we talked all about free agency, and that's exactly where we're going to pick up on this Wednesday night as we continue looking at what the Bengals should do in free agency, what would work best for them, and some big names that just might fit the bill and some names you might not think of. Welcome into another off-season edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Aman and Mike Nizek riding just two today as Andrew Gillis has denied off. And Mike, the thing I asked Andrew and, and you uh, to kind of wrap up yesterday before we talked about Travis Kelsey, um, the serious question I asked you guys at least to wrap up was, you know, what are the most important position groups you think the Bengals should target in free agency? The unanimous answer that you guys had, which I agreed with, uh, was the offensive line. Uh, for you, I wanted to kind of just get more of your thoughts from yesterday. Like, why do you think the Bengals would fare better? Uh, I guess maybe, maybe the better way to phrase it is, would the Bengals fare better attacking the offensive line in free agency? Uh, are there some names coming to mind? And uh, how really critical is that for the Bengals in terms of bolstering their offensive line if they go the free agency route? Well, I mean, obviously there's some big names available, um, you know, in, in free agency. Uh, I, I think we're talking about tackle specifically. I, 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 the offensive line in right. general uh, I think is pretty stable right now in terms of, you know, your three guys, you know, uh, in the interior are going to be starters next year. Obviously Cordell Wilson has got a bright future, Alex Kappa and um, Ted Karras. Uh, tackle, I mean, Jonah Williams will be the left, you know, tackle on the team next year. Sounds like it'll be left tackle, but you know he's. There's no way they move on from him. But in terms of the future, um, his obviously very uncertain in terms of long term, um, you know, perspective. You know, we just don't know if. Doesn't sound like an extension is imminent, uh, and so you know that kind of shows signs that maybe they're not convinced. You know, he's deserving of sort of that left tackle long term money, um, and then right tackle obviously in the short term is much more shaky with Collins sort of. You know, rehabbing that uh, significant knee injury, what's his timeline, you know, like. And then, obviously, last year he was already a guy that didn't practice all week. You know, he got a veteran's day off, uh, didn't really participate in fall camp. Um, and, you know, now with that, another injury on top of it, what's that going to be like? So I, I think you can kind of see why it's a need, sort of both in the short term and long term. I think it's a place where you can upgrade um, to your depth, you know, which I think – um, you know, Jackson Carmen will be in the discussion, but I think in terms of, you know, free agency, they're not going to be in line for like, uh, you know, Orlando Brown or somebody like that. That's just not, um, you know, going to happen, but I think they need, you know, veteran depth. I think you'll kind of keep seeing, um, guys get released here over the next couple of weeks. Um, and you know, there, there could be a value to be had, um, there. I still think you need a building block though. And that's what I think I talked on our subtext, uh, today about kind of some of the, the mock drafts coming out of the combine. So the athletics also, uh, top draft analyst, uh, both had them taking, uh, Oklahoma's left tackle and Antoine Harrison. And so, um, I think you're kind of, kind of seeing a consensus coming out of based on kind of the comments Duke Tobin made that this will be a position, um, that they're looking at and seriously considering doing some things with just because, like I said, I think it's a clear spot on the offense where you can upgrade. You know, like you said, Orlando Brown didn't get the franchise tag in Kansas City, but that's just a high dollar that he's going to command that I don't think the Bengals can match. Same with Mike McGlinchey from San Francisco. I think if you want to have somebody or something just for depth, even if you go the Anton Harrison route, which I'm starting to lean towards that, as far as like who the Bengals should get at that pick. But I think even then, if you want to go for like, say, an Isaiah Wynn, 
uh, or Jermaine Alamuno or Cameron Fleming. They're not going to command those high price deals, you know, with the other names I mentioned out there on the market, like Orlando Brown, who are going to get the big money. Um, Maybe a limited selection would have changed the reality, but I think with that, there are options, especially if you just want someone for a year, maybe even two. And a lot of that's going to be based on, okay, well, if you get another guy, do you get rid of Collins to make room? And like you said with uh, Jonah Williams, you know, Brian Callahan, just to kind of read it, what he said, like, you know, that's a guy that they want to keep at left tackle because he acknowledged that Jonah's probably not a guy who'd be comfortable with a shift to right tackle if they want to do something with Jackson Carmen or get another guy in, whether it's through free agency or the draft. So there's some certainty there. And I think that um, what you see from, you know, the mock boards from guys like Dane Brugler kind of gives that away. But, you know, we talked about the offensive line. Um, and I don't know if I asked you and Andrew this yesterday, but are there other position groups where you feel like the Bengals? won't make a splash or won't make the sexiest signing, but could make some kind of an impact in free agency and other groups outside of offensive tackle? Well, I mean, running back, I think, remains a question. We talked about, obviously, the incident yesterday with Joe Mixon, and there was already sort of not, not uncertainty about his future, but just kind of like, you know, do they bring him back with that salary cap number? Um, obviously, they need to – um, find some depth there with Samaje as a free agent, Travion Williams. Uh, I still think the draft makes sense. I don't think this class, this running back class provides a ton of options, but if they were to move on from Joe Mixon, you know, completely for, you know, and that's sort of the direction they go with, then I think obviously they, they need something in terms of a veteran um, there. So, I mean, there are a couple options. Jamal Williams would be somebody, I don't know about David Montgomery in terms of what kind of the, the market is at for some of those running backs. It's kind of a, it's hard to predict the running back market um, just because it's a strange position, how people base, you know, kind of how much money they want to invest in it. Um, in terms of other, you know, obviously tight end, I think you're talking about just because, you know, Hayden Hurst is a free agent. Um, you know, I thought it was one thing kind of it, where, you know, could they save money there by just resigning Mitchell Wilcox and drafting a guy, maybe not with their first round pick and hope the production kind of matches. I mean, that's probably not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but, you know, those, I, I think those are going to be the three consensus spots. I mean, I know some people talk about the secondary um, in terms of depth, but, um, you know, I think those are the, the, the kind of the positions I would look at. You know, I've been reading about this, especially on The Athletic, because, like, you talked about running back. And it's funny because, like, obviously you had Saquon Barkley, who got the franchise tag from the Giants after they inked that deal with Daniel Jones we talked about. But beyond him, you got – and this is interesting – you got Josh Jacobs, who I think the Raiders regret not extending a fifth-year option on, Tony Pollard, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. But even then, it's like – those guys are so expensive, like Jacobs, Pollard. I don't think you can get those guys for cheap. Montgomery's kind of a weird situation, like you mentioned. I don't know what happens with Miles Sanders. I mean, again, like, if you want to go for a guy like that, like, is he really worth the money? Is he going to give you the efficiency that the Bengals and Brian Cowan talked about valuing? And that's the thing is, like, if – and this is with any position in free agency, offensive tackle, safety, which I want to talk about in a second, or running back like you just mentioned – you have, I want to be specific, you have some room to spend, but this is not going to be anything close to the splash last year where, you know, you're in the grocery aisle and you just pick the nicest things you see. I mean, I don't want to say you're, you're picking out of the clearance aisle, but it's somewhere in between the clearance aisle and those nice splashes they made with, you know, Ted Karras and Alex Kaplan, Hayden Hurst last year, because you don't even know if you can, you know, extend a guy like that. 
you know, depending on what he wants and what the market presents for him. But as far as just players in general, regardless of position, like when you think of some of the better players out there, you know, we mentioned some of the running backs, some of the offensive tackles. Is there just a name out there where you look at a guy like that and say, this is a guy the Bengals should get? There's something he has that people don't see that the Bengals would benefit from. You know, is there a guy that sticks out to you like that? And if so, who would that be? And why would you make a pitch for him? Or I guess why should the Bengals make a pitch to a guy like that? Well, the, the name that makes a ton of sense, and I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, was Foster Moreau of the the, the Raiders, uh, tight end. Obviously, Joe Burrow's uh, former teammate. Um, just that connection, I think. Um, you know, somebody he, he's comfortable with, uh, you know, I think that they could probably uh, do some nice things together, you know, just, you know, a, a reuniting. He might be a little expensive. Uh, Spot track has him at a market value of $9 million, but over the cap is closer to 6 Obviously, um, this would, you know, be if, if Hayden Hurst moved on, but just, um, you know, try yeah, – I think their goal is always to kind of make uh, Joe Burrow happy and, and, and a former teammate that he had success with. Um, at LSU uh, would probably do that. So um, just that that was sort of an intriguing name, I think, for me, um, just a guy from Joe Burrow's past that, um, you know, uh, I think that he likes likes being comfortable with guys, likes having that uh, connection, that, that relationship, and that would be a guy that I could think would easily fit in here in Cincinnati. That is a good name. You did mention him. And I think if you are the Bengals and you do move on from a Hayden Hurst, I mean, the good thing is – what you valued there, you know, from over the cap and spot track, still less than what Hayden Hurst is worth. So you could get him for a couple million dollars cheaper, which I mean, every, not that every million counts to where you need to save as much as you can, but if you can save where you can definitely go for it. I think one name uh, that I mentioned that I think the Bengals should definitely go for is uh, Juan Thornhill, uh, Kansas city chief safety. I mean, you look at a guy like him, uh, he was on every Super Bowl team the Chiefs had, including the one that just won it this past year. Um, he didn't play in the first championship against the 49ers because he was hurt, but played against Tom Brady in that Super Bowl that they lost. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I saw, I think, from like the Kansas City media that he swore last year going into the season that he would be an all-pro. He didn't quite get there. But he put all pro-like numbers, and I think I even said that that's a dude that easily you know, could have been an all pro uh, at his position. And here's the, the thing I think that makes Thornhill intriguing. Number one, it wouldn't be expensive. He'd actually be one of the cheaper options on the market. Um, obviously, the Chiefs probably are going to move on from him because they got Brian Cook, who ironically played at UC in college. So I think that kind of like how the Bengals got Dax Hill, the Chiefs already kind of gave away that they're going to move on from him. You know, he called last year his treasury year, and so he's going to want to get paid, but I still don't think he's worth like what you're going to pay a Jesse Bates or someone like that. So, you know, but to go back to why it's interesting, let's say you lose Jesse Bates, which you will. Even if you don't lose Von Bell, whether you do or don't, I think Thornhill's a good fit because, and this is not a knock on Dax Hill by any means whatsoever, because I think, you know, there's a reason why he was a first-round pick and the reason why they trusted him to be a first-round pick. I think you still want to give him some time to learn, some time to grow. So say you get a Thornhill and in a situation where you have Von Bell, well, he takes Jesse Bates's job and then maybe Von Bell basically gets more reps than Hill or vice versa. You split the reps with uh, Thornhill and Hill, Thornhill and Hill. That's funny. I didn't even make the connection there. 
That, that's a tongue twister. But even if Bell walks, and guess what? You got a starter. You got a tried and true starter. And then if you trust Dax Hill, all right, throw him into the fray. You got Tyson Anderson, who you also drafted last year. His rookie season never took off because of injury. So you could basically say he redshirted. But I think as far as flexibility, what's going to happen with Jesse Bates, um, and just what you have with Dax Hill and the money, I think that could be a great fit and a great fit that doesn't even have to be short term. It could be a couple of years because, you know, he's only 27 years old. I think he's still kind of at the tail end of his prime. So you could get something good out of him. Uh, but I like that you mentioned Foss Murrow. That's a good one. I mean, it, it would, you know, it's funny because Michael Mayer, me and uh, Andrew were talking about this. He said, oh, he'd love to get the ball from Joe Burrow thrown to him at Hootay Stadium. Like that's the word he used. But I wonder how Joe Burrow would feel about throwing to a guy who he's more than familiar with. We, he didn't win a championship with him because he declared, Moreau did before LSU won that undefeated title. But I, I like that you mentioned that. When we come back, we're going to focus more on staying in-house. Uh, maybe some not-so-big names the Bengals should focus on and why they need to focus on keeping them. And much, much more on what makes the month of March special right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislick. It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And thanks for staying with us on this free agency edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, Mike, we talked a lot about external guys who are guys the Bengals can get, even if they're not so big names. We mentioned Juan Thornhill. You mentioned Foster Moreau. Not the sexiest names, but names that bring intrigue and are definitely financially feasible. But I want to kind of flip it and bring it back in-house. We've talked about the big names who are going to be free agents that the Bengals may or may not keep. Bates is one of them, Jermaine Pratt, Von Bell. I think we've already kind of put a consensus on them, Hayden Hurst, but we can't overlook some of the other names. We've talked about them a little bit, but as much as they're not the biggest names on the team, I think they're worth mentioning. When you look at some of those other names besides the big names I just listed, who are some not-so-flashy names, not-so-household names that are going to be free that you think the Bengals should keep, and, and why do you think those people are specific for the Bengals to retain in the 2023? Well, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, brought back Brandon Allen uh, just because of the familiarity um, and, you know, how he's fitted and 
kind of kind of worked well with, with Burrow and and um, been with Zach Taylor. I think that uh, make makes a lot of sense. I think a guy like Michael Thomas on a kind of a veteran minimum type of deal makes a whole lot of sense. You know, a special teams guy just from a leader leadership perspective. I think those are two guys that um, just um, you know very low low cost. Um, very low risk type of deals, uh, where you're getting probably more off the field than you are necessarily on it. Uh, but that, that comfortable, comfortability factor, I think will play a, a role in that. Um, you know, as far as the other guys, I mean, Samaj seems like a, um, a good value for like a third down back that could do a lot of stuff they like in the passing game. I think at the right price, um, he's a, you know, a solid backup that can fill in for a game or two. Um, but I do think they need to elevate that room kind of, you know, totally. So I'm not sure, like, you know, I, I think it makes sense to bring him back. But if that, like, if it's – I don't think they should ride with the same room that they had. I, I think they do need an upgrade. So I'm not sure how he fits into that. But those are the kind of the guys I would probably, in that second tier, uh, to me, you know, make a lot of sense to to bring back. Interestingly, you know, I was thinking – Brandon Allen is interesting. I I think it's it's fine either way. I think if you keep him, it's great. He has a he has a long term relationship with Zach Taylor. He's close to Joe Burrow, but I also think it's not the biggest deal because you have Jake Browning on the practice squad. Um, you can maybe have him compete with another undrafted free agent, you know, for that backup spot to where it's he's just as cheap as Allen, but obviously Allen is, you know, in his early 30s. And so it's like, do you want to keep a guy who's older as much as he's got that relationship? Um, which kind of takes me to my next question is, like, who would you be okay with walking as far as, like, not so big names walking? Like, you know, to go back to Samaj Piran, I think that's a guy you keep. I agree with you there. But I think Brandon Allen, where I disagree, is I, I think you got to let a guy like that walk. I think just let Jake Browning get his reps, let him kind of fight for that spot. But who are some names that you think aren't the biggest deal breakers if they walk away? Well, I think in terms of Allen, I think you want a veteran quarterback on the roster because you're not going to insert somebody. Like if Joe Burrow misses a game and it's key for your playoff hopes or, or you know home field advantage, uh, you don't want to throw a guy in that's never had a snap. So that's why I would have um, at least somebody on the roster with some experience. I think they'll, you know, I think Max Sharping is a guy that, that probably walks. I think, um, you know, just looking at the list, Drew Sample doesn't make a lot of sense to, to sort of bring back, especially I, I would think that they're going to keep Mitchell Wilcox, who's a, a restricted free agent. Um, you know, those those guys, you know, Trent Taylor sounded like they're kind of looking for more of a spark there on special teams. Um, and, and so I could see what Taylor Sharping and uh, Sample probably moving on. I agree with all three of those. I think you definitely let those guys walk. Um, I think if, you know, Travion Williams thinks he can find a better position somewhere, if he thinks, you know, the, the shows, the, the, the skills he showed as a kickoff returner and even as a number three running back, if he thinks he can fight for a better opportunity somewhere, I think the Bengals could let him do that. You know, we've talked about all the running backs in the combine, and we've talked about how they're probably going to maybe rebuild upon that position if Joe Mixon ends up getting cut. So I think if you want to let Travion walk, with the assumption that you keep Samaje, I think that's okay. Um, I think you want to keep a guy like Clay Johnston, mostly because he was actually one of their better special teamers. One interesting fact that people might not know is that punt, uh, in the AFC Championship that helped the Chiefs win that game, 
he was not in on that. I don't believe he was in on that formation because he left a few drives before that hurt. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Like he's one of their better blockers on both sides of the ball and, and punt formations and punt returns. So I think you want to keep him just for that. Um, Jalen Davis is kind of a toss up to me. I mean, he's been praised very highly by Zach Taylor, but there's really nothing he's done on paper, not a knock on him. It's just, he's been that far on the depth chart, but if you want that depth, great. If, you're not upset about losing it, fine. I think guys like him, like those are guys you can live or live without. Um, you make a good point on the Brandon Allen discussion, but again, like he's up there in age. Do you, I mean, I'm not saying he'll ask for more money, but like, do you want to just say, all right, we'll give him another one year deal? Or do you want to maybe look at Jake Browning and say, hey, like he's been on a practice squad for a couple of years. He hasn't played in the game, but he's learned a lot. Maybe he can finally get his shot. But I think that's just based on, what Allen wants and really what the Bengals want to do, I think it's going to be more of a mutual decision there. But lots of good points there. And I think it's important not to overlook these positions because whether some of these guys walk or not, as far as the not-so-big names, just to be specific, you know, that could have an impact on who the Bengals get, at least in terms of like those mid-to-late-round draft picks, if they want to maybe replace some of those guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, have them compete for backup roles or be on the practice squad or whatever happens. Um, some interesting discussion there. I think that was worth mentioning. Uh, but to kind of wrap up here, Mike, uh, just for a nice little chill Wednesday night, I, I don't know why I thought of this now because it's March 8th. So, like, we're already a week into the month of March. But I don't know. I'm just going to say this before I ask what I'm going to ask. I just have to preface this. I am biased towards the month of March. For some reason, my mood – and it's not like I'm saying I'm so sad and miserable before March, but my mood – just lights up in the month of March. I don't know if it's March Madness. I don't know if like you just feel the spring weather hit or maybe I'll give the obvious answer. My birthday is at the end of March. So maybe I get excited about that because I'm a big birthday guy. But how do you feel about the month of March? Like, are you a March guy? Do you not care for March? Like, where does March fit as far as like your favorite months of the calendar year? March is not a great month. Really? February is the worst. You don't like March? February is the worst. And I think that's. Like I agree a, with that, actually. That's a good. Why not March? Well, it's just a bad. It's like bad weather. It's just. It's kind of doldrums. It's no good. Wait, when you say bad weather, are you talking like generally? Are you are you thinking of a specific place in March that has bad weather? No, no, no. You're I mean, from Chicago. No, none of these places have good weather in March. It's not warm enough. It's not cold enough. It's just. It's terrible. Pick a Cincinnati for, for switch, those who aren't in Cincinnati. You got to switch from like hoodie weather to jacket weather. That's that's miserable. Eh, I don't know about hoodie to jacket weather. I think it's more t-shirt to hoodie weather. I, I don't know if it's that big of a jump. I think maybe if you're in like the Northeast, possibly because it, it's just cold. But I mean, if we're talking Cincinnati, Ohio, I mean it was. I mean it was sunny for sure. I don't remember the temperature, but it was pretty warm. Like I didn't wear a jacket outside. I was outside earlier. And like I said, it's March 8th. Maybe if you're thinking of the first half of March, there's an argument to be made. Right? How, how much was it? It was 45 degrees today. It was not a t-shirt. <laughs> I wore a t-shirt outside. I mean, I'm probably crazy, but I, I feel fine. Maybe I'm just so, maybe that's just my affinity for the month of March. Like I probably just don't even consciously think about what I wear when I go outside, at least in March, not literally, but as far as hoodies and jackets go, I think I'm just good without it. But I mean, but like, okay, what about 
aside from weather? Like, do you not get excited about March Madness? Do you not just get excited about, like, the overlap with, like, the NBA getting towards the playoffs and, like, March Madness? Or do you just not care for that? No, because when I'm judging a month, it's not necessarily what's, like, on the calendar. It's more like the the season, like, what you could do. Mm. You know, there's always TV on. So you're a, you're a seasonal guy. Like you don't you don't care about what's happening in the month. You just care about what the temperature is right. and if it's sunny or not. Correct. So so then I take it uh, if I'm wrong, tell I me. But you're a summer one, person. One, one wardrobe on. I don't I don't have to switch. So summer. Or fall. Okay. I'm I'm with you. So w- winter's a no no for you. I mean I don't love winter, but at least it's got a lane. It's cold. Yeah. Pretty snowy in Chicago. Like, I mean, the silly question, but I've only been there a handful of times. Was it pretty snowy up there growing up? Yes, very snowy. So, like ice storms, like weather snowstorms, don't bother you one bit. I mean, they're annoying, but I mean, like, I'd rather. I, You're used to I it. Just, I just think March is just a, it's the doldrums. It's just yeah, it's just <laughs> no good. Well, you uh, hopefully you'll be excited on March 26th because that's my 25th birthday. So I'm looking at the calendar. That's just over two and a half weeks away. But we'll, we'll get you there, Mike. I don't know how Andrew feels about this. Um, I want to ask him when he gets back on the pod some, sometime here soon. But I don't know why I just thought of this. I, I think I wanted to ask you guys earlier, but it was just – I don't know. My brain is weird. I'll just like think of something and put it in the back of my mind, and it just resurfaces again. Uh, people listening are probably laughing, but again, we're talking about the same person, aka me, who said that Travis Kelsey was a spirit animal. So, ha 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 ha, sarcasm. Um, but man, March is my month. I like it. Well, speaking of the month of March, I will be gone the next two days. I'll be back next week. Uh, but in the meantime, Mike and Andrew are going to do something they've never done before, and they're going to do the podcast together, both of them together. Usually it's been me and Mike, me and Andrew, or all three of us, but never those two. So you guys are going to be in for a treat. They're going to do great. Tune in with them as they keep talking all things free agency and everything you need to know that we haven't discussed already about the big week next week for the Bengals. But once again, for myself and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Enjoy some March weather. We'll catch you later this week.